hand into the fire. Run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. The Balrog made no answer. The fire in it seemed to die, but the darkness grew. It stepped forward slowly onto the bridge, and suddenly it drew itself up to a great height, and its wings were spread from wall to wall. But still Gandalf could be seen, glimmering in the gloom. He seemed small and altogether alone, grey and bent, like a wizened tree before the onset of a storm. Awesome. I love the things you picked today, because... uh... I, I couldn't be bothered to go and uh, start trawling for a really, really good, um, a good, a good quote to start us off at the beginning. So, um, I think the title of the show and and the stuff you've just read there probably given people an idea, and also the fact that we've been going on and on about what we've got coming up for ages. Um, but welcome you to the show. heavily on the fact that people might actually listen to us before this point. Well, I think the people listening to this show probably listened to the last one, both of them. Um, um, but yeah, welcome to the show, everyone. Dan, how's it going, man? Yeah, not bad, not bad, man. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, actually, pretty good to be honest with you. Pretty good. Um, right then. So, do you want to tell everyone what we've got coming up on the show today? Well, obviously, we've got our usual uh, sort of intro and greetings as we're doing now. Um, sort of a little catch up on on everything that's gone on uh, and then we'll head into our mini meeting section where we'll talk about what we've been up to in the hobby what's going on in the hobby is if there's anything cool and new from gw so uh, you pick that up there our main segment today is going to be uh the kazadum scenario the bridge of kazadum uh we'll go through past iterations of that particular scenario um the more recent one of uh, quest from the ring bearer and then uh, we'll talk about our game that we played recently, where we actually played through the scenario that comes from Quest for the Ring Bear. Absolutely. And uh, then we'll have, uh, unfortunately, no heroic death match uh, this time. Unfortunately, uh, I'm responsible for that, and life has gone mental in the last couple of, uh, well, I'll say three weeks now. Uh, anyone who's been keeping abreast with the world situation, particularly the UK, will know that uh, a lot of restaurants were able to open up in uh, the earlier part of this month, being April. So, given I work in support of the hospitality industry, my job's just gone mad. So, unfortunately, I haven't had the time. So, uh, apologies for that this time. Don't need, don't need to apologise about that and things like that. I mean, we used to obviously do it as part of our one session when we record, and I I sort of fobbed that off onto you. Um, when my life got very, very busy, and now your life's got busy, you don't need to uh, apologise at all. I wonder how many people thought when you started saying now the restaurants have been open. They thought. He's been out for diff- what different meal every night. What's he like? <laughs> um, I'm barely above super noodles at the moment. <laughs> oh, great! Oh, good! Lovely, lovely. Right. Well, let's take a little break, and we'll come back and have a, a proper natter. Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. Market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit incomgaming.co.uk Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. And here we are for many meetings. Um, 
time for well, a bit of a catch up really we 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 didn't do too much nattering about the wider middle earth world did we when we played our game the other night we chatted about other stuff and and just sort of normal chatter and we chatted about the game we were playing but we didn't really talk in great detail about the stuff that's been going on and we well we keep up on messenger and stuff um yeah well, like we said we've both been pretty busy but uh so before we get into what we've been up to let's just cover the news first um yep. and what is the main news dan uh, there are new dwarves there are there are two of them and they weren't and they are most excellent they weren't did we know anything about it when we last recorded so it's a month ago this week, so we're nearly two days away from a month. Uh, I the think they may have previewed them. We may have had something on Warcom, but yeah, to be honest, that, that time it seems dim and distant now. Yeah, so I'd have remember. to look back at the last show notes, to, to which I could probably do to see whether I put it in the show notes because it's like three clicks to do it. But um, I, they definitely weren't prices or a release date. Um, no. Um, news. No, they're not in the news, so maybe... Maybe we didn't know about it at all. Uh, they may have actually been um, previewed a, a couple of days after we recorded. Uh, that makes sense. It. That rings a bell. I can't think I remember us having a conversation about how typical it was. But um, but anyway, new dwarves. Um, other than saying new dwarves, um, we both bought them. We'll probably cover that in our own little chat and stuff. But we're not going to cover them today. Um, we're not going to go through the profiles because our next show, which will hopefully be in two weeks rather than a month, because we're going back to the the old kind of speed again. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do a bit of a show talking about war in the north, talking about the law in it, um, and we're gonna cover those profiles and just generally talk about dwarves because any of you who know that you know listen to the show from the beginning will know that Dan and I both like dwarves. We've both got Iron Hills. I've got um, Army Thrower as well. So we both own lots of painted dwarves, and dwarves are our kind of in our in our in our remit. So we're excited. We're both excited about this release, so we thought we'd do a bit of a show on it. Anyway, Dan, what are you yes, doing? Uh, well, uh, it's been a month, and as I said, it has been uh, a little bit busier. Um, with that inherent uh, additional stress, I, it does impact my uh, painting mojo a little bit, unfortunately. Um, usually uh, starts to suffer if I do get a bit stressed because I'll switch to things like reading, things that truly absorb my brain, so you just yeah. go to another place. So, But I have still got quite a lot of hobby done, actually, thinking about it. Uh, I think I was midway through painting my Great Beast of Gorgoroth last time we uh, recorded. That's done. That's all finished. Uh-huh. Um, I painted Goroth and Zagdush. I bought and painted the Mrananaut Commander's set, so the uh, Boo Shaman. Done him and the uh, Moranonaut captain with the. Uh, I can't work out if it's supposed to be a double handed weapon. It looks like a double handed weapon. That's how I run him with the severed head and then yeah. uh, another banner and the drummer, which I don't think is actually a Moranon. It looks more like a normal look to me. Okay. I need to look at he that just, again. Yeah, he, 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 he's not really wearing the Moranon type armor. I'm going to look now on your. Uh, grab my phone and have a look. You've posted it up on. Was it our Instagram or. Uh, I think I put it on, but it's definitely on mine. Um, that's a point. I changed my Instagram name. Um, I, I think my previous one is no more, no longer really reflective of what I'm up to as a hobbyist. And uh, I decided to change it in reflection of the show, really. Um, so it's, uh, for those who would be interested in looking, it's uh, Dan underscore OOTFP on uh, Instagram. So you can find me there. Um, so you can have a look at what Stu's now frantically trying to find. You know what, I I noticed you changed that and I didn't clock that you changed it, if that makes sense. It just seemed... 
I didn't make a song and a dance. Oh, well, I just, it, really. it, I just looked at it and thought that makes sense. But I suppose it's different with Instagram. Maybe I had Twitter in my mind where you kind of you change your your user the name that people see, but you don't change the at if that makes sense. Yeah, well, obviously Twitter came later. So yeah, you started using Twitter as well, aren't you? So let me have a look. So the drummer, um, I see where you're going there. Um, You could kind of fit in with with other orcs as well, I suppose. If you paint some of that armor as more leather as well, you you could look very normal orcish. Um, Mm. Yeah, I'd say fits fits with Moranan as well. But yeah, if you painted, especially the thigh armor. Um, if you, yeah. paint, you could easily paint those leather, um, and then you've got a lot less um, sort of metal, metal. armour. So, yeah, you, you could use it either way. I, yeah, I think it's obviously supposed to be Moranum, but in terms of its styling, I get where you're going through. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Cool set, though. Yep. Very cool set. Yeah. Very nice job, too. Um, the boo, the boo uh, shaman, as it's <laughs> yeah, sometimes known. Um, he, he gets quite a lot of hatred. And do you know what? I actually quite, of all those models in that set, I probably enjoy painting him the most because it's just a bit daft. I've, I'm just trying to think. I think I've painted him as part of the Moran and Commission. I did. Um, and I was scrolling back through my Instagram now. Um, I think I did. Um, I don't know if I took pictures of him or not because I don't post up pictures of every model I paint. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind him either. I, th- I think his face is a bit funky, but I quite liked his face. There's parts of the model that are kind of a bit, uh, but it's just. I, an th- older I think Scott. you have to work a bit harder to make his face look good than some of the others, but it's it's still there. You do, don't you? And it, and it, and as someone who paints for a living, that's something that comes up a lot for me. Actually, is that when you know. I'll, some older sculpts you feel like you have to work a lot harder and you, you paint them and you think oh, it just doesn't you know i want it to look better but without spending ridiculous amounts of time on it, it it's it's some of the the definitions it just isn't there um so I, i'm with you on that but they're they're quite and it's i'd rather have an orc that was a bit kind of shallow in in detail and a bit funky because generally they're quite dirty and messy and kind of and you you can mess them up if it's if it's an elf or something and it looks a bit wonky, then it's a bit harder to make them look clean and refined. And oh, yeah, your sculpts help. Both, yeah. both my thrandrels, um, foot and mounted, uh, like double saw thrandrel and um, thrandrel horse, were both missing tips of their nose. Oh, uh, okay, that's not. So I had not to helpful. build them up. Well, I didn't. Um, I didn't build when I built the um, Galadrim. Um, the bits that I did, I know I've got a few left to paint, but. Um, I bought the command set and I didn't paint the um oh, what's the what's he called? Um what's the magic user called? Completely slipped my mind. I know who you're on about and the the the, the definitely. It looks a bit like Pob, you know. He's, he's not, yeah. He's not the ha- most handsome of elves. I don't know what happened there. It's almost like a, a like an orc in disguise, maybe he's used some blusher or something and is um, anyway. <laughs> The smell will probably give them away. Um, anyway, if we completely derailed your, um, I've derailed. Sorry, your, uh, your, 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 you telling us what you've been up to. So you got as far as painting your commanders, didn't you? Yeah, and uh, so they're all done. Um, I still need to base all of this. I need to do another order with uh, Matt, Mister Generation Shift. Um, and I did a, a Mordor, Mordor Troll Chieftain, um, but I painted him in the Cave Troll colours, the blue grey. Yeah, I saw that. It's different. I like it. It's cool. 
Good blue. I want to, yeah, I wanted to do something a bit different because I'd already done sort of a, a brownie grey one and then a brownie brown one. And I thought, yeah, why not have a different colour troll? And that blue grey has always been a bit of a nemesis colour. Mm-hmm. I remember from the first time I tried to do the cave troll back in the day. So I thought, you know what, let's go for it. And, and I like it. Yeah. It's, I- it's raised a few eyebrows, but you know what, I'm happy with it, my model. Absolutely. And I'm with you on that. I find some people talk about painting yellow or white is hard things to paint. And I always find, always find that blues and greens, are, I don't naturally paint as well as other things. I find that I have to think paint about them, them a with more. subtlety. They, yeah. they sometimes can be a lot more difficult. Absolutely. I'd much rather, I mean, I, I know my, my favorite, one of my favorite, probably the favorite Middle Earth model I've painted was, was my troll. And that's blue. But he has got some warmer tones in there as well, aren't they? I don't know. It's it was a little bit different the way I did it with the airbrush. But yeah, painting blue stuff isn't definitely my least favourite uh, things. And a lot of the things people don't like painting like red and yellow and white, I'm much more comfortable doing. It's weird. It's weird. But... Yeah. And I've and I've got grown very comfortable with black and brown, which is good. <laughs> they're they're not easy to do either. And to make look good. Um so Well, somewhat essential for the old middle left, unfortunately. <laughs> well, brown yeah, brown is not a good colour to to struggle with for mid love. No, well, brown you know brown's getting easier. I think there's a lot of good brown paints out there now. You know, with the things you can yeah. do with contrast and stuff. But blacks, are, you know, it's never we're a long way away from the old days of really watery snake bite leather, aren't we? Uh, so. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> yeah, any anyone who's old school and remembers the old hex pots from Citadel, where you use practically the colour of chocolate milk. Oh God, I I didn't have too many in that era i think that was in that era where i was definitely not game and i have had a few because i think when i uh bought some stuff and hidden it and didn't really game i think i bought a few paints there but i, I very much didn't have many of those and they look quite good they were screw top weren't they no i'm one of the old hex flips the ones that uh, were around the hex flips. Uh, i thought there were hex ones as well that were screw at some the point. hex screw ones yeah they the paint was better but the pots were terrible they'd crust up and be virtually really? i thought i them. thought the screw would be useful um, I thought it would be a better way of sealing it, much like you've got. There's one thing I'll, I'll defend with, with um, GW paints, um, and people, and I'm not a fan of their pots. I much prefer dropper pots. But you often hear the argument that, well, the, the, you know, you, you get your dropper bottles and they don't crust up. They do. <laughs> you just have to make <laughs> clean them. My, my dropper bottles crust up a lot as well, and I have to make sure I clean them. Don't get me wrong, they're easier to clean, but they do. They do crust up as well, so um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, just last week um, on my painting hobby hangout that I have with some of the local boys, um, Dyson. Not for the first time, but the second time, um, the the aperture, the sort of the nipple of the um, uh, dropper bottle, that obviously um, sealed up with dry oh, paint, no, and you he gave it a squeeze. And, I'll just give it. A, I'll just give it a slightly harder squeeze. It'll be fine. And yeah. Then... Um, bang, and there's silver paint everywhere. Yeah. It's, oh, it's always a bloody metallic, isn't it? It's all going. Yeah, and it's, it's always silver with him. I think he read the first time around. I can't remember, uh, but either way, um, yeah, it's easily done. There's so swings and roundabouts for those things. But no, that old hex pot, the the screw top was a really good idea. But if you put the lid upside down, because um, the central reservoir and the lid for the paint yeah. didn't have steep sides, it'd run into the um, yeah. screw. Yeah, that and then when you put I, them I do together, mine are getting low, so I do start to tip them upside down. So that probably doesn't help. Yeah, and it, it meant that um, yeah, you'd end up like, the lids would stick on, or you wouldn't be able to get them back on. Or that's the other thing know. is you unscrew a lid, not realizing that it's not been used for a while, and it's and it's the actual nipple part has dried in it, 
and you know you absentmindedly go to squeeze it into your the top of your airbrush and realize that there's no lid no nipple part on as well that, that's caught me a few times and then you get a bit too much paint everywhere but anyway this is really interesting isn't it we're, 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 should we should we do a whole segment on um, the different the, kinds the, of paint the lid, the vagaries know? of paint dispensing <laughs> Oh dear! Right, um, well, you um, you still got massive mass masses more to go through in your huge list of paintings. So, yeah, um, Steve over on Top Table Gaming and also um, on Battle Streams Fame uh, set an April challenge as part of the Top Table community of uh, just purple paint anything purple. So naturally, I went with Middle Earth, um, and also as an opportunity to um, hit up a hobby bingo square for painting competition. So I bought and painted uh, Delgamar. Uh, for that and uh, awesome job you did of it as well really really lovely thank you very much I did some um, mucking about with um, painting basing as well I'm trying to push that a little bit it's where probably my weakest sort of string to my bow um, with the old basing and he actually put those up today I think uh, it was the 26th was the cutoff point oh, for entries okay. and then he's got a little um, votey thing on his um, top oh, I community oh, I didn't know that I'll have to uh Go and have a look at that. Unfortunately, mine is not the only Delgamar, and uh, the other one is legitimately better painted than mine, so I will not be at all upset if I don't win that, so it's fine. <laughs> I was I about to do that now, but I thought that's probably not the best thing to do while we're recording. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stu, Stu goes completely quiet for a few minutes while he flicks through Facebook. Um, yeah, I, well, I'm going to be interested to go and have a little look at um, some of the other stuff on there as well, but um, yeah, I thought you did an awesome job with it. And what a fun thing to do, just paint something that's... Go like on your shelf. Go on your display cabinet. Yeah, and it's, it's a beautiful model. I've always liked the model. It's even nicer in the flesh or in the resin, so to speak, in the hand. It's much, much nicer than even the pictures on the site make it look. It's a beautiful sculpt. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, again, if I was at a point where I was picking models just to paint individually, um, he would definitely be one of them. Um, yeah, I've got Raza as well. I'm going to paint him up for Soph at some point because she's got uh, Serpent Horde. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. So I'm not going to use him, and I don't want him adding to my backlog because <laughs> as it is, I added 12. I mean, um, Technically, you still have him, and you're going to paint him. So is he in your backlog or not? Yeah, but I mean, so I can get, I've got a reason to paint him. Otherwise, we'll just sit in a box for the next two years. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but I did buy, um, I, w- I want to say uh, hammers because I'm still in the old Warhammer Fantasy, but I've got Grimma hammers. So I've got, I, I split a box uh, thinking that I might be able to use uh, them with um, Dane and Thorin. Unfortunately, that is not the case. So now I've got, I now have got an early start on an army of Thrall. <laughs> I was just going to say, well, you like dwarves anyway, so it's not a, the hardest thing to do, is it? Is to, to treat yourself. I'm going to buy all the bits and pieces, and they're going to be a 2022 project. Brilliant. So I'm going to have the army ready to go uh, and start painting that from January. I'll tell you what, Dan, when you get to the Warriors of Erebor, just the, the basic plastics, they're lovely. They've they got so much character. There's still little bits on them that you kind of, you know, they are just warriors, plastic warriors, but they are really, really, really nice plastic warriors. I think you'd enjoy them. Really, yeah, I really I'm, love I'm my army. Poss- I'm half tempted to do pure Grimhammer, though. Oh, we. In my opinion, you're missing out on the the nicer. I'm the Grim Hammer, Hammer Warriors are far, models are fine, but they I didn't enjoy them anywhere near as much as the uh, Warriors of Erebor. So uh, well, plenty of time to work it out. I'll uh, possibly play a couple of proxy games or something with uh, one of the local lads and see what's going on with them. But uh, yeah, that's just me finding a, a way of using twelve models that I've added to my backlog for no reason. <laughs> 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 Too much swearing. 
Yeah, um, true. I mean, I, I the only event I used them at in no, no, I have used them twice actually. But when I was painting them, I did have thrown skulls in mind, so I, I needed a thousand points. So I was quite happy to sort of fill them out with with both kinds of dwarves. But if you're going to end up going to a lot of sort of six hundred point events and things, then yeah, you might decide to go only Grim Hammers. Yeah, I got plenty of time to decide. But yeah, so I bought some of them as well. Um, I got my bases finally because uh, Royal Mail decided to lose my bases for the better part of a month uh, <laughs> that I got for the Fellowship. Yep. Um, so they're based up now uh, and Lurts and my Uruk captain I managed to obtain. So they're all based up and in the cabinet now, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I did... Uh, Gandalf, and there was a slightly different base, so it does match with the others, um, at least in tones, but his, his base is different, so he's, he's not at Hamonhen. Uh, Obviously, he falls at Moria, but uh, the general tones of it, so you can put them together on the table and use them as a normal fellowship, and they'll still look okay. So yeah, I was quite absolutely. pleased with that. I used the base off. I think it's Percy's base. Uh, yeah. those oh, you get those little things, don't you? I've not used any of the toppers on mine, so if you do need them for consistency, give me a shout. I've got... Uh, well, I shouldn't need to now because I just used the. Well, it's got the broken bits of wood. It could be Hilda's. I can't remember which one of the two it is, but um, yeah, with that, with a few extra bits, um, made a pretty reasonable looking um, sort of Moria area. And I just didn't add sort of the more outside earthen tones, and I didn't add sort of alive grass and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're quite cool. Those it's nice when they do them for for character models, but it also makes me wish that they. I know it's another skew it's, it's a problem but i wish they would have sold them as well separately because you get them i think i've got five at least because you get percy hilda you get them through um bard's kids and you might get them another uh, set okay. as well I, can't, I think you might get one with the captain um i've definitely got five there might be six or so so they've, they've obviously sculpted these they're on a they're on a, on a little um what they call little gate so they obviously cast them but yeah, I can imagine the it's a real headache just to cast base toppers, uh, but ba- I like base toppers; they're cool. You can uh, it's easier to you don't have to drill holes in the bottom of your resin bases as well to use them. You just stick them on as normal. So, um, but yeah, if anyone does need those or want them, give me a shout because I'm it's going to sit in my bits box for ages. I'd, I'd need yeah, enough. I'd need enough cool. to do a whole army. To, for, I, I can. I'll be like, oh, no, it's different. So I just don't. Need, that's why I haven't used them. I need them to match. So if anyone does want them, give me a shout and I'll get them in a post. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping them uh, bits and pieces. I mean, it was good for Gandalf. It worked out well. And then I'll yeah, probably yeah. use any others I get for other models sort of um, display. Uh, my old Keeper of the Dungeons is on um, Dane's 40 mil. Yep. yep so yep. that's so just put in the display cabinet. Because it was, I felt bad leaving to languish. So he got done. And that's on that one. No, that's cool. Uh, that? Yep. Yeah, so I bought Dane and Thorin. They've arrived. I did the YouTube video. Which uh, went out the other day. So yeah, it was good. Really good. No, it didn't take me long to edit at all. You, it's literally shoving on the intro music, the outro music, and I think adding a fade between the you cutting away from you talking to going down to your desk. So it took me about 10 minutes to edit, and then it takes about 20 minutes to render, and then it takes YouTube about two days to process it to 4K. So <laughs> after all that, I think it uploaded in 20 minutes as well. So YouTube's are just a bit. Well, it is what it is, I suppose. But it's frustrating when you could almost get a video recorded and out really quickly. But I always think if you're doing a review of a product, um, you want to leave least wait till it's available in 1080 before you stick it out there because you want people going, well, that's a nice looking 
smudgy grey blur that I can't see because it's only available in 360 or something like that. So, yeah, exactly. Pain in the bum. Um, and yeah, I've started painting Dane. Um, yeah, I sort of just saw that in your Instagram story. It looks looking good already. Really yeah, good. I painted his head. He's he's a lot. Of, there's a lot of beard on that model. A lot of beard and hair. Um, he, he, until you get the rest of the model done, he does look a little bit like Santa at the moment. <laughs> just make but, sure uh, keep the red just for the axe. Keep the red. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know which part of it I'm going to do next. I'm probably going to do his cloak next. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of those irritating individuals that does a section to completion and then works next to it from scratch. No, to be fair, that's the way a lot of really high end painters work. Um, I do sometimes a bit more on the on individual models like that, but I can never finish. I never start with the face, even though it's the best thing to do. Sometimes I love finishing with the face, just because it kind of like that final bit. But no, we always start with the face. Skin is always first. I had someone say the best to start with that because it's the hardest bit. If you mess it up, you can just sort of strip it back, and it makes a lot of sense actually. So you start with the eyes and things, but um, and if you mess them up, then you just take the paint back off those eyes rather than thinking you have to strip the whole model. Um, I don't think I ever get to the point where I can't fix a mistake with the paintbrush, if that makes sense, rather than feeling like I need to duck the whole thing in a, in this paint stripper. But um, now I, I don't no, know. I, I, some of it might be habitual just from years and years and years of always finishing with the face. I definitely don't finish with the eyes now. That's something I used to do. I do tend to do the eyes and then finish the, the flesh just because painting in the flesh around the eye um, is a really it's a much easier way of getting the eyes the right shape and size. It means you can go in big with the eyes and then just fill them in afterwards. It helps out loads. But um, see, I'm the other way because I, I glaze all my skin and everything. You just get it in his eyes, so I have to. No, well, you, I, I I can glaze and not get it in the eye, I suppose. <laughs> but it's yeah, I think it's just just goes to show, doesn't it? That there isn't one right or wrong way of doing anything. Just do what works for you. <laughs> Try exactly. Stuff. Try different things though. <laughs> don't don't get stuck doing one way because you've always done it that way. Do try something and because you talk. Yeah, that, this is a bit of a tangent, but there's two two things I've started using this year that I was aware of. Didn't think badly of them, but they almost revelations. Okay, so um, first one is. Um, and this is, I finally did it because of Benjamin Bowles actually on his on his channel I mentioned it, but it's the Tamiya Extra Thin Cement with a little brush. It's mm. just amazing for putting plastic models together. I wouldn't do buildings or something like that with it. I still use the Revel for that because you need just need a bit more glue than it puts out because it's only a tiny bit of glue on the brush and it's very runny, of course. That's why it's extra thin. But it that's you put a, a much less on there. It's a smaller amount. So it melts the plastic quicker and bonds quicker as well. Um, and it's quite precise and also because it's the brush and it's such a thin amount you can paint over um, and little bumps and things so if you've removed the mold line but it's still the faintest of mark you just do a thin layer over it and it melts it and smooths it off it's just brilliant so that's the first one and then the other thing is almost linked to the same is i finally bought a games workshop um, mold line remover tool thing and i always thought They've only brought that out because they don't want to sell blades to kids. And that might have been part of it. But it's really good. It's actually better than a blade. I still use a blade. I still use a file. Because you need. I think you need all three things to do a really good job of it. But on a, a bog standard you know, mould line that's there, you've got some space to scrape the tool down. It works better than the, the uh, file or 
modeling life. So if you haven't tried those things, because like me, you thought, well, then, you know, what I do is great. Try them out because they're really good. Yeah, I keep thinking about getting the mold line remover in particular. And there's a Warlord make one, and I think Army Painter make one now as well. They weren't available. They were sold out. Um, So I just bought one off Amazon, I think, a few weeks ago. They're not cheap, but it's really well made, the GW one. I think it's like 12, 13 quid or something like that. But it's really well made, and you're clearly not going to need to replace it. It's not going to (laughs) get... You don't need to change the blade on it. It's, it's, It's a solid bit of key. God knows how many years I'll get out of it. It's good. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. So from your top tips now, uh, what have you been up to? Um, what have I been up to? So I bought um, Dane and Thorin as well. Mine is still in the box, um, and that doesn't happen very often because it's normally me recording the the unboxings for the for the channel. So mine are actually still in the box. I may open them up, and funnily enough, and record an unboxing to go on my channel because I've been kind of dual things that work on both channels. I've been kind of putting them up on both. And because you did that one, um, there isn't one for the latest thing. So I may still do a little unboxing, but, you know, I won't I won't share that through the podcast because no need because it'll be me and you saying the same stuff, really. Um, but, yeah, they're sitting there very happy with them. They won't get worked on for ages they might get built if i do do an unboxing um but you know i'm not going to go over my list of stuff people hear it all the time but uh they're, they're unfortunately quite a way down on it um so what else have i done i did you know, i did a couple of bo- unboxings on the on treebeard and quick beam since we last recorded a show so if you're someone that kind of listens to the show but don't follow us so much on social media maybe you don't have facebook twitter instagram and stuff um those unboxings are on our youtube channel but you know you're like if you're likely to have subscribed to that you'll know about those anyway um and i finished the balrog which we need, I needed did. to. I needed to. We needed that for our game. So I finished the Balrog. Um, did it four hours. I did quite a quick job on it. And it's fine. It's fine. I just didn't have the uh, passion all the time to really kind of, you know, put a really massive job into it. Um, and it kind of matches the sort of relative speed paint of that whole army, really. So I'm happy it's there on the shelf. It's a good sort of tabletop standard for playing um, scenario games and things like that. But also... I'm not going to cry if I break one of the models. If that makes sense, it's not. If I uh, when when my uh, little lads come in my office and they're poking around and they're touching my uh, army of thrall or Iron Hills or um, my Lake Town stuff, I get a bit nervous. But if if my two year old <laughs> picks up a Moria Goblin and throws it, it's uh, probably not going to break anyway. But I'm not so not so worried. It's very much a, a collection army rather than a kind of something to take and be proud of sort of thing um but yeah it's done it was nice so as much as i feel like at times this year has been a little bit my time has been a little bit hampered with my hobby um i have painted a whole army so um it's not that bad to say by the end of april i've, I've painted a whole army um and then what else i've done a bit more work on smog i think i put another very very short video up on gap filling as part of that series um it's not super exciting especially to people that that kind of know how to do a bit of green stuffing um and i've been i've built a lot more since then um but i'm not going to record a video every time i glue one bit to it and do a bit of cap filling so on next time uh, i do a video um will be in a two or three weeks time and he'll probably you'll either be completely built or you'll be almost completely built and i'm talking about how i went about attaching the wings or something like that because i'm not sure what, what i'll do when i get to that stage um I'm still aiming to get him finished by the end of May. 
and that's my goal. Um, he's my sort of May project for uh, for, for SBG um, before I crack on with, with the Rohan and stuff. So, yeah, I've done a bit of work, but it's not something... It's, not, it's like when you're painting. I haven't got a finished model to show with that because he's such a big kit. So and I don't want to post too many pictures of a grey plastic um, smog in various stages of, of build. Um, so we'll, we'll wait until I... Um, Wait until he's nearly ready to, to paint before I do any more. Um, and then what else? Oh, I was a guest um, on a miniature Wargaming Warriors stream. So um, so those of you that uh, that have sort of stepped across and looked at my own Miniature Realms channel on YouTube, um, there's obviously a little bit of Middle-earth on there, but I saved most of that for here and for our channel, but I've put a few other things on there for other games i'm dipping my toes into historical games this is um and then ken miniature wargaming warriors i watch a podcast that he does um it's a youtube podcast with four uh three, three other um channels that get together and do a bit of a stream a bit like battle streams they do on a monday night um and they talk any any wargaming it's mostly historical but he loves his lord of the rings stuff as well so he he'd been uh watching some of my stuff and he's gone back and I know he listens to the podcast now I think he's a long way behind so not quite sure when you'll hear this but thanks Ken for inviting me on but yeah we just had a good chat I know a few people came over and joined the um joined the stream that night from from that the listened to to us and watch us and stuff so thanks for coming over but we had a good chat about lots of things there's a lot of middle earth talk on there because Ken's sort of just getting into the game now so we did talk a lot about that um he's um doing stuff he's bought all of the uh um um something is wrong with me he's bought all the battle games in middle earth (laughs) um magazines and he's actually working through them by himself just to get stuff painted um so i've sort of obviously pointed them in the direction of of uh, battle streams and um zorp zorp and um harry's um uh youtube channel and stuff where all those when they've all discussed those things so so yeah he's just enjoying dipping his toes into to middle earth so there will be some stuff going up on his channel um for that i think he does have a battle report going back from last year with when he, when he was sort of trying the game out but he's well worth checking out if you uh if you like other games he does a lot of bolt action and and does um black powder and things like that so if you uh have a penchant for um, those kind of historical games, um, go and check that out as well. Um, lots of sort of Warlord games-based stuff, really. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed being on the stream. It was good, just good fun having a natter. But that was it. That was it, really. So yeah, I've only really finished one big model, but still done a fair bit of hobby. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Not a bad, not thing, a bad at all. thing at you all. You can't be churning out armies every day of the week. No, it's just been a different different year for it, isn't it? We've So we swapped roles in terms of me pumping out two or three um sort of models and pictures a week to you doing it this this time round. Um we swap roles this year, this calendar year in terms of the um the production levels. Whereas I've probably produced I don't know how many models you painted this year. You must be up to you got to a hundred or something? Uh, I'd say so. Um there's I mean just the just the Mordor's high eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then the, the the fellowship and uh the remaining bits of the fantasy fellowship odd, sort of odd models here and there yeah it's, uh, that makes a difference i think I, I think i did that a lot last year i'd be painting a character model here or there and it, it gives you something to show whereas i've probably painted 50 models um but i'm not going to 
post a picture of a Moria Goblin every time I finish one. It's a bit kind of... Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've not done as much as I would have planned at the beginning of the year, but yeah, doing all right. We're doing all right. Okay. Um, I think we've caught up, haven't we? We've got through it. Is there anything we haven't um, discussed from our uh, last month since we've been away? I feel like we're it's missing something, but... It's been a busy month. It's obviously not that important. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's something we're missing, some, something we should, should be announcing or doing it. No, probably not. Um, right then. Well, let's go and take a break. And when we come back, we will take you through all the scenario, all the different versions of Cousin scenario and talk about the game we played. The hour grows late and bland of grey plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of this plan, Alf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf. The commission painter. We must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com You have elected the way of paint! Here we are again. So this is probably, um, for the time being, going to be um, the the last of our planned kind of forays into the Quest of the Ringbearer. Um, not saying we won't go back to it and, and um, review another scenario, but all the things that we'd originally planned to do from the book, um, we did plan to stop here because we knew that with us being what, three hours apart and COVID that we weren't going to get to play the other scenarios and we only really want to review a scenario if we've been able to play it. So that means it's got to be feasible to play remotely. <laughs> um, or we yeah, get... we may do Amon Hen, because obviously I've been yes, gearing yeah. up for that, but uh, yeah, that's but been you... on me getting an Amon Hen. That's the thing, out of the stuff that we've got at hand to do as well, and um, obviously I've what slowed us down a little bit is me having to paint a whole army for this, and we will definitely be painting and building stuff to, to continue doing this, and this is very much going to be a feature of Out of the Frying Pan, is, is doing these in-depth scenario reviews. We enjoy doing them. I know people, well, the feedback we get is that, that people enjoy listening to them as well. So it's definitely going to be one of our things, but it's not going to be the only thing we ever do. We do want to mix it up a bit. So we, we may well have a couple of shows now where we uh, go off into some other topics. Um, and then we will definitely pick and choose them. In terms of a series, um, we're... Uh, you know, this will be the end of, of the review for this book for now. I'm sure we'll go back to it at some point in the future. And who knows, another book might come along. Um, and then we'll have to decide how we're going to, uh, um, you know, attack that one and whether that's got scenarios we want to do and if we can do, etc. So there'll be there'll be lots of things on the horizon. But this is the, the end of this book for the time being. And then we'll have a couple of shows at least with a bit of a change of pace. Um, anyway, so... Before we get, we're going to sort of stick to the same format as we, we have done before. We've looked back through the old literature, looked for related topics, mostly primarily looking for older versions of the Kazadung scenario, but then also the supporting articles around them. So sometimes in modelling articles or, or painting articles. Um, and what we'll start with, because it's just a brief note really, is that while they don't contain the uh, Kazadum scenario, as in from the Fellowship of the Ring, um, both the supplements, the Kazadum supplement and the Shadow and Flame supplement have got some really 
useful stuff in especially from a whole sort of modeling and painting point of view obviously hazard um um, supplements got lots of Balrog stuff in which obviously against dwarves rather than fellowship story but if you're looking to build terrain in order to play these parts you, you can't go wrong from flicking through that book if you've got access to it um, and you'd say the same for Shadow and Flame wouldn't you Dan with the, especially with the map you were talking about for me earlier yes um, massively stoked on that um, to be fair I'd, I didn't really look at a lot of the old supplements back in the day and uh, some of them finding some of the hidden gems uh, as I'm looking at them now, and that the map that's on uh, pages six and seven um, is definitely a little treasure for me because it uh, basically plots the the general course of uh, getting through Moria from the uh, west to the east gate, which is obviously the path the Fellowship took when they yes. crossed through the mines. Um, it breaks it down uh, into I do twenty six different locations uh, and it's plotted out and it gives you little sort of snippets about it so for instance it talks about um, the iridescent caves where the um, extensive seams of gemstones and mithril are still to be found so when uh, Gandalf sticks his staff over the edge of the sort of precipice in the movie and everything starts to glitter yes that yeah. would be quite aptly represented for that and then they uh, to sort of talk about some of the other areas that uh, sort of the lost caverns where they've they unearthed the Balrog, and then you've got the other parts like the the Goblin Warrens, which are sort of further, I suppose, to the north as you look at it on the map, which shows where the the goblins first came from and still swarm from. Yeah. Yep. So, not only does it give you a sort of top down, it also gives you a side on, so it gives you an idea of the way it undulates throughout. Oh, brilliant. I think I've I've yeah I have seen this. I didn't. I see. I haven't got the well, the books, but two foot behind, well, three or four foot behind me on my shelves. But um, I'm not going to reach and grab it now. But I had a little flick through earlier. But yeah, I know. What you, I'm not seeing all of that today. But I know what you mean now about that. It's, uh, that map is pretty cool. I forgot about the side on part. It sounds like it'd be a really good tool for people role playing it. Oh yeah, massively. Um, I did try and see if I could if there was an open copy online or anything of the old middle earth roleplay books for this uh, for for moria but uh, there isn't anywhere in any legal sense so i wasn't able to get hold of it and i don't know how much it is online i might have a look at it because i do find it quite I'm not interesting sure whether it's in my, i when they were on humble bundle i said that we've talked about this on the show i think i bought the um the new middle earth roleplay books um and i've not gone into it in detail but i don't think they've got at least what was available on Humble Bondo anyway. I don't think there was a Moria thing. Yeah, um, I think it's uh, it's just Kazadum, I think it's called. I, I did see a pop-up in search results. I wasn't have a look at bit uh, earlier. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more interested in... There's uh, a few companies that have done Lord of the Rings roleplay as well. There's lots of different... So mm. that's, the, that's one version. I do have the old one of the older versions as well. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I've got anything for it. But, yeah, you could, you could use that map and... Um, and experienced GM could, could definitely yeah do a do, do a, do a do, yeah do a journey. You've got the map there. That's a, that's the hardest bit to start with, isn't it? If you've, uh, depends what kind of role playing you're doing. If you're doing your kind of pencil and paper and, and not using models and stuff like that, then you've definitely got something that you can use to describe to your players. But I quite like it. It's quite cool. Yeah, and then there's a, there's a little section on it also about the sort of the battles of Moria. So. Um, the Red Horn Deeps, um, when they first awoke the uh, the Balrog, and 
that when they were forced out as part of the first uh, age of the Kingdom of Moria, and then when um, obviously Balin went back. So uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting. Could, really, really. When interesting. you could run a sort of narrative campaign for your battle company and and take your battle company through it, almost a la Quest for the Ringbearer, but you have your uh, your battle company and you'd have to have one player effectively taking the the role of the evil side. Um, and you'd have to make some scenarios for each of those areas, um, but it'd be quite cool to take your battle company through through the mines and trying to get them to the other side as well. That could be could be cool to do. Absolutely, um, it gives you an idea of the the ages as well. Um, I mean, as much as I've read a lot of the background books, you sometimes forget the scale of um, the ages. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking nine hundred years between uh, the the best tools of. Uh, Moria being kicked out by the Balrog, and then the Battle of um, with Azog outside, and then you've got another hundred and twenty odd years. Yes, I think it is that's... way longer um, before Balin goes back. So that's a huge amounts of time between in the, li- them. in the lives of men. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's madness. It's not a short amount of time in a dwarf's life, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, it's a, nothing for an elf, but yeah, I mean, they're long lived, but not that long lived. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, it's I, I, I'm with you on being excited, but there's little things like that that just just make you imagine, don't they? That suddenly it takes you, takes you into the the another world, and something like as simple as a map can uh, can really do that. Yeah, absolutely, and it reminds me of um, you know anyone who's looked at any of the Forge World publications for the other game systems, um, sort of some of the old 40k stuff, and then the Heresy stuff where they go a little bit more in depth with a lot of these maps and, and things. It, it, it very much reminds me of that, even though it was out before, if you know yes. what I mean. Yeah, I'm with you. So I, I like that kind of thing, you know, when things are laid out like that and it, you know, it looks very professionally and, and cleanly done. Yeah. I do love the way a lot of these old books have been uh, illustrated and written. They've, yeah, they've got a lovely feel to them, haven't they? And that's, what, that's why I <laughs> spent all that time last year and money, I suppose, searching out all the old publications and, and, basically getting them all because um, they're so fun to to kind of flick through whether it's you know, a nostalgia thing whether it's like we do they've become a really good resource for us for for the for the podcast to research these older things um whether it's you know just wanting to play an older scenario or compare something or just to look nice on the shelf as a, a collection got a lot of enjoyment from these old out-of-date publications and uh you know, people sell them on a lot of them when they're out of date, and there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan of the older things. It's cool to keep them. Anyway, at a risk of of talking about the map for for, for forty minutes and and not the rest of the stuff, um, shall we crack <laughs> on to some of the scenarios and things? Uh, we we probably spend more time on the map there. We were well on some of these the scenarios, which is which is fine, absolutely fine. So the first. Um, that I could find anyway, and you could find because you did a lot of the, the background research of this. But the first um, thing we're going to look at is the original Fellowship of the Ring rulebook. Um, and they have a scenario on page four called Scenario Four. Is it on page four? It's page 17. It's Scenario Four The Bridge of Kazadum. Um, and I won't read every word because it's quite a wordy scenario, this, isn't it? Um, 
Yes, it is enough. Yeah. Two two full columns on the second page, but I will I will take it. I won't do the description because we we all know what's going on. So I'll, we'll set the scene for all of them. So the fellowship of obviously been traveling through Moria. They've um, they've Pippin's made a bit of a, a clatter in uh, Balin's tomb. They have they've had a bit of a fight. Um, they've uh, they've kind of escaped from there, um, and they're there. They're running towards their escape. They're trying to trying to leave essentially, um, and um, and you've got your your whole fellowship, um, and then you have your your evil side. So we'll start with that. So the evil side for this version of the scenario is twenty four Moria goblins and a Balrog, and then it's eight spears, eight swords, and eight bows. That's your your makeup for your twenty four goblins. And um, there's a note on points match that if you wanted to play it with different factions, you could play should play it at five hundred points. Um, and then the layout's a bit weird. They don't really have a table size on here, so um, it's it's quite strange, isn't it? So you've got it shows the edge of both sides of the table, which would be kind of solid rock walls. One side has three entrances where goblins and balrogs and things can come on. They are four inches or ten centimeters wide, and then in the middle of the board you have a six-inch wide chasm with a fifty-millimeter wide bridge and it's that's what it says on there it's got 16 or 14 centimeters chasm and a 50 millimeter wide bridge um and then you i suppose that's just enough to get your 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 barrel across isn't it um and then on the that's directly halfway and then on the other side of the board you have one exit which is four inches or 10 centimeters and then each of those sort of chunks of 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 distance to cover either side of your six inch chasm are 16 inch kind of fairly open areas with bits of rubble doesn't describe very well but it's this is not a kind of standard this is a four by four table or three by three table there you've got some measurements but it doesn't sort of really specify others does it so it's a bit it's a bit weird but it looks like if you added up all the measurements you're looking at around a three three by three board something like that yeah ish yeah ish it's like because some bits just aren't measured um and i think that just shows it doesn't really matter as long as you've got your six inch chasm and you've got 16 inches either side to travel you're golden really um okay so yeah it talks a little bit about having the spaces that are wide enough for you know for for two or more models to pass and, and things like that so starting positions so the good side starts off um in a little kind of dotted area again that's seven inches away from the chasm and seven inches away from the entrance where the goblins come in so they're not too far ahead of the goblins at that stage and they've got to obviously bottleneck go across the bridge and then get to the other side um and then the objectives are for the good side wins once the bridge is destroyed at least half the good models have reached safety on the exit note that it's not enough to simply run away you have to destroy the bridge to win if playing with actual participants frodo must be amongst those um who escape amongst those who escape in order to win evil side wins if more than half the good models are slain or if the bridge is not destroyed by the time the good models have left the game when using the actual participants they obviously they, they can win automatically by killing frodo I like that. Makes sense to me. Um, Frodo is the most important part of it there, but I like that you have to actually destroy the bridge as well, um, because otherwise these goblins and, and Balrog as such is just going to come streaming out of Moria after you on the other side. Um, special rules. Evil forces are spread out as they move through the tunnels, so no more than 10 models can enter the chamber each turn. 
They may enter the chamber through any of the three entrances. The Balrog always comes on last. So in turn one, ten goblins enter. In turn two, ten more goblins enter. In turn three, the remaining four goblins and the Balrog enter. Um, as this battle takes place before the Fellowship's encounter with Galadriel and Lothroyan, none of the company have elven cloaks. Um, this is slightly different to some of the scenarios. As the battle takes place after the fight in Balan's tomb, the heroes are already exhausted and have expended some of their might points. Each hero, therefore, reduces his might level by two. E.g. Aragorn starts off with might of one, not three. Boromir has four, not six. Quite like that. It makes sense. They literally are running, aren't they? From from fighting balance tomb, it's kind of non-stop action until they until they break to daylight. Really. Um, so, do, 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 do. as this battle takes place after Frodo has been attacked by the cave troll, one hero on the good side is considered to have expelled all of his fate points. If playing with Frodo, this must be Frodo. If playing with a points match, and you might we won't worry about that. We're only going to play these with the with the fellowship um and we know about the the good side can only win by destroying the bridge to allow this and uh, to be achieved in games that do not include gandalf the bridge has a defense um, value of 10 and three wounds there we go so like, we won't go into the the, the the logistics of how that works but you've, you've got a profile enough there that you can basically whack it <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the mental image of people just like hitting the bridge with their swords doesn't quite kind of bring back the memory, the epic moments from the films. But um, no. but but yeah, there you go. You can you can whack the bridge with your sword if you want to. Um, I think that might reverberate a little bit of the blade. Um, then Gandalf can inflict damage on the bridge by standing on it and using his magical powers to direct sorcerous blast downwards. See special rules for Gandalf. Um, this short range blast is very powerful so you roll the dice to see how many wounds are caused on a roll of a one the bridge is undamaged on a roll of a two bridge suffers one wound on a three and a four bridge takes two on a roll of a five or six bridge takes three wounds and is destroyed on a roll of a six explosion is so powerful that anything on the bridge falls into the chasm even if it is not fighting and could otherwise escape um note that this random roll is made on on behalf of the bridge Gandalf cannot use his might to either up or down to affect that so that's that's the first scenario um what are your thoughts on that Dan Anything, uh... it's a little bit rough on the old fellowship on that one it seems like quite a tough game um, it's a shorter board yeah um and there's less stipulation on um how many members of the fellowship survive well, I think it's as hard which... isn't it which is the same as it's got to be rounded up, so that'll be yeah. without spoiling the latest scenario. But I'm assuming people know that the rules of the latest one. Um, that's the same. Um, I think the difference yeah. is the, the difference is the the tired heroes so reducing yeah. their might. But like you said, yeah. it's a shorter distance to to travel. travel. Um, you know, the Balrog can, def- can definitely can't come on till turn three, where we'll pair it with the later one but he, he potentially cannot can come on earlier um i don't know i don't think that there's that much of a difference there um the bridge is a little bit wider than the model we use but um yeah i, I think i don't see any problems with it i quite like the fact that the heroes are a bit tired and, and it's a smaller board i think that gives more of a feel of the kind of that kind of panic and things like that but um yeah it's, i think it's fine you'd have to play it and obviously, the, um, the the goblins have got no no captains, which they do in some of the latest scenarios as well. So they've got absolutely zero might because obviously the barrel doesn't have any. 
So maybe the, the, the hero's losing a couple of might there is a way to kind of balance that out a little bit as well. Um, yeah, that's true. You mm. literally have got just goblins and you are starting seven inches away from goblins that move five. Um, and you've got Aragorn with... Did Aragorn... But I don't remember now. Did Aragorn have March back then? I don't. Someone who played the game back then will be shouting at their speakers now. Because if he did, and you start seven inches ahead, um, well, you deploy you deploy in the right way, you're going to be a long way ahead of those goblins, aren't you? And home and dry. So I don't, I'm don't. i not sure that the, them having... March might not have existed back then, I'm not sure. But it, either way... They move quicker than the goblins, and they start seven inches ahead of them. Yeah, so uh, and the good go first. So I'm not sure that it is that harsh on the on the fellowship. To be honest with you, it seems seems to me like they're already the, the goblins are already going to be relying on bows a little bit. Um, it's it's the bottleneck of the bridge the only thing that's going to help. But again, if you deploy well enough and you put Frodo at the front and leave a couple of big heroes at the back to take it, let's face it. You've got to get half across, so you leave Aragorn and Boromir and Gimli to block the goblins and stop the goblins from getting across the uh, across the bridge. You feed the Barog um, Gimli, probably, because um, he's going to be the toughest to kill to slow the Barog down. And it, this, I don't know. I think you can get your, your you can get the others across the. I suppose the Hobbits only move four. Right? Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway, I think it's I. I can't just from reading it. It doesn't seem unbalanced, and it's hard to describe without people can see them seeing the map anyway. But I, I'd I'd play it. It seems quite cool. Anyway, um, let's pass over to you, and you can talk us through the next one. Yes, yeah, so we'll be covering the uh, Fellowship of the Ring Journey book uh, from Lord of the Rings Strategy Battle Game. So first big change matches. Well, people are going to be used to this if they listen to the others is you get a much broader hobby inclusion in these books than you do in all the other source books because for start it's preceded as a scenario by a large section on not only painting but also the assembly of the Balrog including the very vital um, guide to using green stuff which at the time of the metal Balrog I was going to say this is is the metal Balrog so things things are a bit different yeah, I mean, the, we can have um, Chris Murphy just shuddering away to himself, bless him. <laughs> it's his nemesis from when he used to be uh, a member of staff, having to help oh. customers put together metal barrel rocks. Oh, I can imagine. And then yeah, go. so he's going to be fetal somewhere, bless him. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then obviously um, there was some quite extensive um, as guides to building uh, Moria terrain, like the walls of Moria. Yeah. Uh, and some bits for sort of building Dwaradelphi bits and uh, bridgey bits, just general out of um, some XPS foam and cutting it and getting it all cleaned up. But it, it looks pretty tidy, especially for the time. You yes. Know, a lot of techniques, a lot of knowledge has been shared. A lot of people are using, you know, expanding foam on top of it and, you know, Mod Podge and all that kind of stuff. Um, and producing some ridiculous stuff nowadays. I mean, some of the um, terrain you see, especially from GW themselves, is, is phenomenal. Mm. Um, but uh, it's a really, really useful little guide, particularly for someone who's just starting out and hasn't developed their skills yet. Yeah, this is still very, fairly very early in the... Um, when, is it, when would it have been out? So 
I don't know which white dwarf it had been taken from, but um, still fairly early in the kind of time of the game, isn't it? So you know, you, you would have been dragging people, I imagine, across from sort of your battle, str- your, your battle um, games in Middle Earth kind of magazine sort of time when you would be picking up some very new people to gaming as that game yeah, or, or, or even brand um, new people, didn't it? It wasn't it wasn't a case of you bring out a new system and and you've got your existing fantasy and uh, 40k players which i'm sure pick this up as well but the, the influx but even of people they, a lot of them huge. 40ks or in, in fantasy were always well catered for in regards to having pre-done gw terrain for yes yeah a lot of this lord of the Rings stuff there wasn't anything in existence for and if you didn't have those skills or you didn't have a very well stocked um you know like a hobby store like a train store or whatever yeah yeah it could be a bit intimidating, so some of this stuff's really good for, for those who haven't developed those skills. Yeah, absolutely. So round to the scenario. So this is uh, on uh, page 76. This is scenario 14, the Bridge of Khazadum. So uh, the participants, as you would expect, are the full nine members of the Fellowship. And the evil side is the Balrog, two goblin captains, and then 888 in terms of goblins with spears, shields, and orc bows. So it's looking much more like uh, the scenarios as presented these days, the inclusion of those goblin captains. Big change. Uh, the board is a four-foot square. So it's a larger board. The chasm is six inches wide. Um, oh, no, it's eight inches wide and sits 16, six inches from the eastern side of the board. Yeah. So it's it's quite wide. It's way too far to jump. Um, it's impassable and cannot be jumped. Um, you deploy further onto the board, though. You are 12 inches on the board, and then you've got a 6-inch sort of deep and 12-inch long box to deploy a good side in. So if you deploy closest to the east side, you can go your 18 inches onto the board. Yeah, which is quite so, a way, isn't it? This has got a lot of similarities with the with the current one, but apart from how far you're deploying into the table, which is a lot further. Yeah, there's, there's no sort of um, advisory for how long the bridge is, for instance. I mean, obviously, it's got to be above eight inches yeah. in terms of length. So, I mean, if you put an inch on either side, it's a 10-inch long um, bridge. Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking five inches plus 10, 15. So you've still got a fair little run to the bridge. Fair little run. So um, quite what you do with um, the side sections, other than the fact it's an evil deployment zone, 12 inches on. Yeah. So you sort of deploy between the uh, the goblins. And the the Balrog makes his presence known a little bit later. So those who know the quest book might be uh, noticing some similarities here. <laughs> um, the objective the evil side wins if five or more members of the Fellowship are slain or if Frodo is slain or if the bridge has not been destroyed. The good side wins if five or more members of the Fellowship, including Frodo, exit the board from the southeast corner because um, there's a small set of stairs to leave uh, and the bridge has been destroyed. Any other result is counted as a draw. So in terms of special rules, um, Gandalf can inflict damage on the bridge by using the Sorceress Blast magical power. He must be standing on the bridge to do this, and no other targets will be affected by the spell if he targets the bridge. And you roll a d6 to see what happens. On a d6 score of 1, there's no effect. 2 to 5, the bridge is badly damaged but holds. You may add 1 to the total each time you roll on this table. These modifiers are cumulative. And a six is the bridge is destroyed. Any models on the bridge are removed from players' casualties as they tumble into the chasm. So obviously, that's Gandalf gone. Yeah. Um, so the the Balrog, 
uh, Flame of Udun. Uh, he does not start the game on the board, but will arrive as the game goes on. From the second turn onwards, the barrel will arrive. The total roll for priority by both players is seven or more, which is an interesting mechanic. Yeah. Um, so you add the good and the evil players' uh, priority roll together, and if it's total seven or more, he uh, he arrives. The evil player may move the barrel onto the board via the west door during his subsequent move phase. Newly arrived models may not charge, but otherwise can act as normal. I so that's like quite that. interesting way of doing like it. That. I, yeah, I've not seen that before in any of the uh, as a way of generating a um, random event or when something when something comes on. I quite like it. Would have been, would have it's quite interesting, but the, very easy to hit because the average roll on two dice is seven. Yes. So uh, well, you could maybe you could, you could make that higher. Can you? <laughs> I'm just mean as a as a as a pro as a way of doing it. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, it's definitely an interesting mechanic. Um, be interesting to see if it, how well it works. Yeah. Um, they do obviously uh, offer a points match uh, alternative. So if you want to play the scenario with alternative participants, choose an evil force approximately the same size as the good. The good force should be composed entirely of heroes and must include Gandalf the Grey, because he is the only one who can hurt the bridge. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> so if the Balrog jumps on uh, Gandalf early and kills him, the best that the good player can get is a draw. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think it's almost quite the appropriate. same as, as the current one. Um, I quite like it. Um, the, the evil deployment's the same, so that's basically, like you said, on those... North and south deployments, aren't they? And the good are kind of almost in the centre of the board, but they're coming on from the the west side. Um, Twelve inches in their box starts, but like you said, it goes on for another six inches, so it's nearly a, a third of the way into the table. Um, but there's a lot of similarities, um, and the the forces are the same as the, as the latest one, as we'll come on to. But yeah, I think it's um, I think it's fine, absolutely fine. Um, Without trying them all, it's very, very hard to make a kind of which you prefer. The, 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 these are very similar, and, and and as will become apparent, I think the similarity between these scenarios are a lot more, a lot closer than some of the other scenarios that we've reviewed. Um, yeah, I think there's certain classic ways of doing things. Um, it's kind of a, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Almost yeah. approach to it. So they've finessed it a little bit, and then it's largely stood because the game hasn't changed huge amounts because it's not needed to. So the no. scenarios generally won't either. I think the previous one, in terms of the setup, it felt more like... I know that in the film that they started getting some bow fire from the um, the other side, um, but there were no goblins over that other side. So the goblins coming in from the side doesn't feel quite so... I don't know. You almost feel like you in the film you're going down the different stairs and things like that and at that stage it was mainly bow fire so i suppose you've got to you've got to have some jeopardy there because there's in the film there's no combat at that stage so you're almost rolling in um you're rolling in a different part of the story aren't you you're rolling in um what was the previous scenario in the latest book you're rolling in the feel of um Dwaradalf, aren't you with them running yes. like running through so you're kind of but you're doing it in an, in an open four by four table, I suppose. Um, and I, I think if you, if you look at the maps of the two, and I know this is an audio podcast, but I, I think I prefer it. And I'd like to try the, um, the original scenario because I quite like the idea that they, the, the goblins are coming out from those, those little holes in the wall, those little entrances rather than coming in from the sides, which didn't really seem to make much sense, but, um, narratively anyway, game wise, it but it's cool. Um, and very, very similar to what we've just played. 
Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's pretty good. And you can definitely see a stronger echo in uh, what's in Quest from that one. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, have, you know, these things are going to be play-tested and as much as one might look like it's, uh, you know, more like what you expect from the film, it maybe doesn't work anywhere near as well as, as a game to actually play. Um, but anyway, moving on. So after the uh, the journey book, we have the best of uh, White Dwarf. Um, and in the best of White Dwarf, there's not a scenario as such, um, the Fellowship of Ring, but there is probably the most detailed terrain guide um, stroke project log of of a brilliant um, display board. I, I'm, I can. It's more of a display, isn't it, than a, than a game board? Um, and I, I'm guessing these were shown at um, game stays and things around the time. But it's yeah, totally probable. Absolutely beautiful. Um, if you think of the the kind of displays you get in the in the museum now, I would say this is the early noughties version of that. Um, and you can imagine it in the big glass cabinet behind the uh, behind one of the displays now. So it's you know there's no scenario there, and it's this is definitely not a, a battle games in Middle Earth style uh, terrain build thing. This is a kind of a, more of a showcase, but it does show the kind of things people are doing. So carving away with with, with blue foam, loads and loads and loads of filler. Um, and some really, really nice green stuff. So they've actually made the bridge and stuff out of wood as well. So they've properly machined the wood and it's put together with, with you know, this is carpentry here, looking at the picture there. Have you seen the picture where the the the, uh, the bridge before it's put together so it can come apart as broken, Dan? Yeah. There's proper carpentry uh, going on there. I wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Uh, no, I'd lose a finger. Sorry. <laughs> but it's very ingenious the way they've done it so that it can come apart, but it's obviously solid. And they've made, they've actually made the, the kind of the stones out of green stuff um to go over the edge of the wood so it's really really cool amazing piece of terrain and then they've built it to um kind of join to a uh balanced tomb bit as well which i've never seen before apart from in this, in this magazine so quite cool worth a look if you've if you've got access to that best of white dwarf um which uh hands back to what i suppose is the the next um proper scenario um and i'll pass you back to you dan yeah so we're talking about uh, battle games in middle earth so this is issue 22 which is all about moria has a big old fearsome looking uh, picture of the frog on the front which i, sh- I, I think is a pretty cool little cover of that very early uh, days of you know, cropping features on photoshop for that one and uh, yeah it looks good is this Barrel the is this the cardboard uh, balrog issue it is the cardboard barrel issue. <laughs> it is, and there is uh, on uh, page six uh, some instructions on how to put together your, your, your folds. Is it three folds? Yeah, it's tricky. Three, it's tricky. Know, just in case two is too much for you. Tricky. <laughs> yep. Uh, he was uh, actually. I think he was provided the the issue before. Ah. Um, The carbon is it was the issue the before. Can you imagine having to wait a whole month to find out where to make those three folds to put them together? I know. It'd be awful. <laughs> hopefully, without grabbing issue 21, that they hopefully they, they shared those uh, instructions in that issue as well. Otherwise, I don't know. These poor poor people just thinking, oh, what do we do? How does he stand up? He's falling over. Um, anyway, let's kill the 
terrible, unfunny humour. Um, tell us about the scenario. Um, so, well, you, you once again, and in normal um, uh, Battle Games tradition, you're provided your profiles, uh, which don't look a whole lot different to uh, they do nowadays, which is pretty cool. Uh, although, um, yeah, it looks about the same, actually, come to think of it. <laughs> it really I, does. I, I, um, at first look, I think they're all exactly the same. Um, uh, it's the barrel slightly different because he's... Uh, strength and defense nine, nine I do believe yeah, now. That's right. Yeah. Whereas he's eight, eight and ten, ten on that one. Four attacks are still the same. Will still ten. Courage, I can't remember, but yeah, you're right. Strength and defense have, have changed. But and then you get a, a sort of an uh, advice on how things are equipped. So Frodo has Sting and Mithril coat. Um, Sam, Mary, and Pippin have the, the their blades of Westerness, and then you've got the rules in the previous um, issue. Uh, for uh, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, Boromir's back in uh, uh, issue 12, and Gandalf's in issue 15. So it tells you where to find everything you've got, and then all oh, the Balrog and Goblins are given in issue 20. Ah. My so God, the two whole area. issues. Two issues <laughs> waiting to find it. No, I'll stop. Um. <laughs> um, the biggest thing for this one is they've actually mixed the Dwarodelf with the bridge on the gaming area. Um, um, yeah, sort of, haven't they? They've, yeah, it's a really odd-sized, big arrow-shaped table. It's quite long and narrow, and you start on the stairs and you have to run for the bridge. Um, it's pretty cool looking, in fairness. Uh, it says this battle is fought on the Kazadum scenery created in this pack's modelling workshop. Place the pillars from your violence tomb terrain so they can create a row. Some rubble can be placed on the board if you like. A corner section of the mine facing from Pack 20's modelling workshop is placed supporting the other side of the bridge. Um, so yeah, I think possibly we could put a picture of this up for those who haven't seen it in uh, one of the groups uh, after yeah. we've released the episodes, just so people can get a look at this because it might not always be the easiest thing to find for those who don't have copies of the issues. So it, it is quite an interesting thing to look at. So, um, starting positions uh, the uh, fellowship starts up all the way up on top of the bridge and they have to sort of come down, and the goblins start beneath them on the bridge. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you've, you've got that Dialdelf sort of bit I was talking about, blending it into the scenario, which I quite like, actually. So the Fellowship gets priority, as usual, and starts on the highest part of the stairway. The Force of Moria enter the board at different, start different turns, as shown below. For this reason, it'll be important to keep a record of how many turns have passed. So at the start of turn one, the Goblin Archers enter from the main arch. Uh-huh. At the start of turn seven, the rest of the Goblins enter from the main arch. And at the start of turn nine, the Barrel Roar enters from under the main arch. Hmm. Okay, I'm just trying to obviously. I want to you do some head maths there and looking at the measurements and thinking they probably got it right. They've probably worked it out. I would love to know the measurements though, based on their. Well, the biggest problem you've got is they've all got to jump over that gap on the main arch. So if someone rolls a one, that's 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 yeah, all the times I think. But it's quite early in the game. <laughs> you might feel yeah. happy to reset at that point. I like the fact that they've got to do it, um, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 a nice little bit, and they're trying to get they're trying to it's a narrative moment, aren't they? So they're trying to bring that back. The problem I'd see with it is if you're doing this yourself, and because you don't have the exact measurements of the board, if you get the measurements of your distance to travel from the starting point to the bridge wrong, then your where the goblins come from and where the barring barrog comes from is really going to be messed up. So if you you sell that board short by even like 
six or seven inches. You could go, oh, the barrel's coming on, mate. We finished the game two turns ago. We just all walked across. Um, Over that, all, they've all sat at the bottom <laughs> of the stairs waiting for them. So. Well, like, yeah. You, well, you, when I just before I read about the turns, I thought, well, some are going to get to the bottom of the stairs, and that, that may well be the, the, the case. So maybe on the board they played it on. I think you get the, if you do some measurements about the, the moving each turn at regular speed, then yes, I think you could time it really well so that some of the goblins are getting there and some of the bows are getting out shots up and you can get some shots down with, with Legolas, etc. And it could be could be really good. So if you get the measurements right in terms of the distance you've got to travel for the, for the models, I think it'd be great. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, but you haven't got the measurements, <laughs> you just got a picture. So, yeah, so I just yeah, I can imagine some awful games being played from this, where people trying to work it out, and like you said, being completely swamped before they got anywhere near it or the other. They just get there because turn nine for the Balrog, <laughs> turn nine. Yeah, given he doesn't fly and he's only moving six inches. That's uh, pretty brutal. So even at moving four inches, <laughs> you know, that speed they're gonna they're, they're probably gonna get there, aren't they? It's highly likely. I think this is going to be one of those uh, play in the spirit in which it's intended things. Nine. Yeah. But you, you, yeah. I like the idea. And we this came up when we were playing. As I almost, I don't like having to roll sometimes to find out when something comes on. I much prefer that it's sort of built into the scenario that something definitely comes on at some point. We saw that with. Um, um, oh, I'm trying to think of examples from the scenarios we've 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 played. Who was it? Weathertop that was it? Weathertop that I was struggling. Uh, with? Yes, for Aragorn because yeah, uh, just, you really struggle when we played because you didn't get Aragorn until late. Yeah, it just destroys the game if you don't have him. And then, and I, and it worked out good for the game we played. Little spoiler ahead there, but th- there is a danger there that you keep rolling badly and you don't get the key piece, or they come too early or too late. Well, if there's if there's a good point in the scenario for them to turn up. Well, then to design a scenario to pick that good point for them to turn up to make it work. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it just becomes too easy or too hard. Um, so, I, yeah, I, might, I quite like the idea that they've picked it, but without providing measurements for the board, um, you've got no control then. <laughs> you've, got, you're, you're trying to, you've got you know, too much control on one part without actually saying how far the fellowship need to move. But anyway, it's I, I like the idea of it. I do like the idea of it. Anyway, I've interrupted you. Where did you get up to? Um, well, the gap. Um, scenario special rules. So leaping the gap. Uh, the Fellowship must cross the gap in the stairway. Jumping this gap follows all the rules for jumping as per issue six or the normal uh, Lord of the Rings rules for that, with one exception. In this scenario, the Fellowship will not risk any of the Hobbits taking injury from such a long fall. As a result, any member of the Fellowship within five centimetres or two inches of the gap may spend might points to save a Hobbit that has rolled a one on his jump test. This represents the members of the, hob- the Fellowship throwing and catching the Hobbits as they cross. Oh, I Fortunately, think that's you can't good. do it with uh, Gimli because, you know, <laughs> no one crossed to the door. I, I like that. I, I like the leap the gap bit now. Now, now. With that special rule, I think that kind of, there's enough might going on around there, isn't there, to deal with that. Yep. And then we've got a destroying the bridge. Gandalf must destroy the bridge in order for the good player to win. To do this, the Gandalf model must be first be on the bridge. Then he can cast Sorcerer's Blast at the bridge. If the spell is successfully cast, roll to see how many wounds are inflicted on the bridge. This is a random roll, so Gandalf may not spend might to adjust it. Uh, one 
dice roll of one to two is one wound, three to four is two wounds, and five to six is three wounds. So basically, it's a d3 roll. Yeah. Bridge has three wounds. Once the last wound is gone, the bridge will collapse into the chasm. Any model standing on a bridge when this happens will fall to their doom. This includes Gandalf. And there's a funny little box out with um, some really bad sort of BBC Doctor Who special effects of a lightning bolt coming out of Gandalf's staff breaking the bridge, <laughs> which I do love. At first, I thought it was uh, a corruption in the image, and it's, no, it's just some bad Photoshop. <laughs> um, the, winning the game. The conditions for the good player to win this game are quite specific. First, Frodo must make it across the bridge and be alive on the other side. Second, Gandalf must destroy the bridge before the barrel can cross. This means Gandalf sacrificing himself to save Frodo in the ring. The evil player wins if Frodo dies, if they can kill Gandalf before he destroys the bridge, or if the Balrog gets across the bridge. I like it. I do, I do like it. You know, it's just that, like I said, it's they're missing the most important part, which is the the measurements that you need to get to the, the area, which balance, which causes all that balance. But I quite like the leaping bit. That just adds a little something else. That first little bit early in the game, which is not just about the fighting; it's about that travel. Um, which you don't get in the more open battle tables like on the new one. So you, it's, it's not as narrative, I suppose. Um, and the, destroying the bridge works. I think all the methods they've had for destroying the bridge have not been too different, but I think it works. Um, I think it's all right. And, it's cool. Yeah. And then you get a, a funky little um, way of doing a Moria campaign is sort of the leads off from it. Uh, enables you to link the games, so from the water in the water all the way through to the Bridge of Khazad-dûm, and it gives you some campaign special rules of the death of a hero. So very similar to the quest mechanics, cool. um, which so and they've laid out the tables next to each other, which is pretty cool. So you can actually watch it across the board. It's quite it's quite a good double page spread in there as well. Well worth a look if you've got the opportunity to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, these, these magazines are so cheap, you know, one to two quid. I think if you buy them individually one that's sort of more dog-eared and stuff if you really want to grab them and it's definitely worth doing even if you do it bit by bit um lovely to have on the shelf um yeah and i think there's something to be you can grow upon like i said that i quite like that scenario and i can i can imagine making an ultimate scenario looking at all of these and picking up little bits and adding them in a lot of it will depend on your terrain yeah, I think if you had access to some very beautiful terrain, I think I'd possibly go with the uh, Battle Games one. Yeah, well, if you think of what um, Damien's just purchased, and I don't remember the guy's name on the groups who was advertising all of that uh, Dwaradelf um, terrain, um, if you had mm. some of that, you, you could easily kind of put both of those sort of scenarios together onto a bigger board and have it. You, you just gotta, you've got to play test it and make sure that distance is right. Um, so that you there's some jeopardy between the travel time and when stuff arrives and the stuff that should slow them down which would make that worse should be maybe if people are failing their jump rolls so you're having to stop and use that might and then of course you're using might that's that's why i like to see the balance in there um and it's you know again this is an audio format so people can't see the picture we're looking at for the table but it's it looks good but like i said there's no measurements on it so <laughs> <laughs> that's will just massively change the way this game works you need need some kind of map um but it's still cool i love the uh sort of picture of the balrog and the, the caption is ancient demon the balrog announces his rage with a fiery bellow so it's uh it's a bit twiz <laughs> but cool um i like it and it's about games in middle earth it's just just awesomely wholesome stuff isn't it yeah definitely Right. Back, back to you then, sir. Yeah, and this is an easy one. Um, so the Moria and Agmar, um, I mean, this book, I suppose it was, uh, uh, 
for for the, that era of the game, um, and the Bridge of Khazad-dum scenario, um, which is on page forty-five, I believe forty-five, and um, it's basically the one that's on the the first rule book. So the Fellowship rule book had a read through, and it's pretty much word for word, I think. Um, I, I, there might be the odd difference, but I can't. I'm not going to read it out because I'm not going to read it out word for word and, and hope that someone picks up on the the one word or two that's different. But uh, it's effectively the same as the first one we talked about with the with the board. It does have the board fully measured up as a as a four by four, um, even though I'm not sure that scale wise that matches the uh, the measurements. <laughs> You, I don't know if you can see that, down, but you've got your 4x4, four four, so 48 inches, and then you've got your two large 16-inch sections and then another six. I'm not quite sure it all adds up. but So when we thought the first board might be 3x3 three because three, it wasn't measured, it just say it fits onto a 4x4, four four, and that's the only difference. But the internal measurements in terms of your distance to the exits and things are, are the same. So it would just be the kind of the dead ground where it's supposed to be yeah. um, solid wall is, is became the major runoff not quite sure it's 100 percent scale but that doesn't matter at least you've got an idea from that anyway but yeah it's essentially the same one that we kicked off this segment with so i won't repeat it which now brings us on to the current one so the current quest for the ring bearer scenario that dan and i played and we'll talk about the scenario and then we'll talk about uh, how our game went which was a lot of fun so um do you want to take us through the layout then dan and then we'll sort of we'll take it in turns to do it by section Yep, so we're back to a, a four by four table on this one. Um do you, assuming that we're deploying from sort of west to east, um the good forces deployment area is a six inch uh wide box. So um this six inches away from the eastern board edge. Um so basically it's, it's between six and twelve from the western board edge, sorry. Um and at least eighteen from the northern and southern board edges, that roughly places with where the box is. Uh and then you've got the chasm that is uh, six inches wide um and six inches away from the eastern board edge. So that takes up sort of a strip of the eastern edge of the table, which is the bridge of Khazadun crosses. Uh and then you've got your goblin deployment area is up to twelve inches on the northern and southern edges of the board up to the chasm, not on the other side. And in the um, southern, sort of southern easterly area, there's a set of stairs, which is the end state for the uh, fellowship. That's where they want to be going. Yeah. So basically you've got a, a box of fellowship six inches away from the western board edge. Goblins uh, above and below them, and they've got to run for that bridge and get to the uh, southern easterly corner to get away. Is essentially apart from the good forces deployment area, the same as the journey book. Uh, yeah, scenario. The, the, the difference is rather than it being twelve inches on from from east eastern board edge, where that sort of six by twelve little box is, it's um, starts six inches on. So they're a little bit closer to the, the eastern board edge where the, the Balrog will come on, and we'll find out about that in a moment. So, which brings me on nicely onto the next bit, really, which is starting positions. So the good player deploys their models between 6 and 12 inches from the eastern board edge and at least 18 from the other side. Um, 
Um, and basically, the starting position is just repeating the layout, really. So the evil player then splits his goblins into two equal halves and deploys one half within the northern 12-inch bit and then the other half within the other 12-inch chunk. Um, um, no goblins may be deployed east of the chasm. Um, back to you for objectives. Yep. So the Fellowship must escape Moria and Gandalf must destroy the Bridge of Khazadum in order to prevent any of the goblins from pursuing them. The game lasts until one force achieves their objective. The good player wins if at least five members of the Fellowship escape the board via the stairs, including Frodo, and the Bridge of Khazadum has been destroyed. The evil player wins if five or more good models are slain, or if the bridge has not been destroyed. Additionally, if Frodo is slain, the evil player automatically wins. So there is no draw scenario on this one. You either no. win or you lose. And I think that's been pretty standard across all of the scenarios, isn't it? Frodo has to survive, which makes sense. Have to destroy the bridge. Um, and then in most of them... Um, uh, you, you, killing five or getting or rescuing five or five surviving has has been a, a winning thing as well. And I think again, this is the same as the uh, um, the travel uh, the the journey guide journey book. Um, then special rules: the Balrog is pursuing the Fellowship, and it won't be long until he catches up with them. At the end of the evil player's move phase, the evil player rolls a d6. If the score is equal or less to the current turn number, then the Balrog arrives. It moves onto the board from the centre of the western board edge via the rules for reinforcements. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's like what we were literally just talking about for the last segment is that you do have that element where if you're rolling badly, <laughs> you could feasibly get to turn six, couldn't you, before before he comes on. Um, but... Um, it's not as bad as as some of the things. I think what was it on Aragorn? It's like rolling a four up, wasn't it? Um, at least, yeah, at least, like least this you've got that built into it. The fact that it gets easier each turn for it to it to happen. Um, but um, it worked out fine for us. But it, there is the element that it could be too early and make it hard for one side, or or, or too late and make it too easy for the fellowship to, to escape um, as we will discuss when we, we talk about the game about how important the barrel is really um, and then the other part of the special rules is the bridge at Khazadum, the bridge is the only way out of Moria and it can be destroyed after being crossed, then the fellowship can escape the pursuit of the goblin. So Gandalf may target the bridge of Khazadum with the sorceress blast magical power providing he's standing on it if successfully cast do not follow the normal rules for magical power. Instead, roll a d6 and consult the chart below. Um, so it's very much... Uh, and you can't use might to influence as uh, much as you couldn't with the previous versions of the scenario. So a 1 is no effect. 2 to 5, the British damage, but still standing. You may add 1 to further rolls on this chart. And these mold modifiers are commutative. And then 6, the bridge is destroyed. Any models on the bridge are removed as well. So that's pretty pretty standard with what you've seen. Um, and then well, I'll, I'll say this and we can skip straight in the participants are exactly the same as the previous one so it's the, obviously the Fellowship Balrog 24 Moria Goblins in 888 and the Captains I think it was only that first version that doesn't have the Captains um, so what did you think overall before before we kind of go into the, the big details did you enjoy playing the scenario Dan, Dan I, I had quite a lot of fun but well I can only say no at this point. Good. <laughs> yeah, I did. No, I did. You can. I meant from the scenario, not nothing to do with your opponent, of course. Uh. Um, there's a lot more pressure on this one than uh, the previous scenarios we've played. Yeah, I'd say the only one that's come close to it in terms of being a bit nerve wracking for the fellowship player is probably um, uh, Shilob's Lair. Yeah, yeah. I think others have the the ability to be pretty scary. I think Weather Weathertop could be if. Uh, 
like when we played it and Aragon didn't turn up, that can be put a lot of pressure on the fellowship players. We both took our turns with that, didn't we? And when you when you played the fellowship, you had Aragon fairly early, and it's just well, what 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 a tool he is. But anyway, we're not talking about that scenario. But um, I really enjoyed it, and I was concerned. We talked about it beforehand. I was concerned about the the randomness of when the Balrog came on. I think it was just because I thought, oh, this is going to be like when we play with Aragorn or um, me not winning a priority ever. He's not going to turn up till turn five or six and you're going to be nearly across the bridge by then and it all feel like a walk. I knew that had a potential for it to kind of be a bit linear in that sense. And I think it still does, even though it went worked well in the game we played, I think it still has that, that potential. Um, I would agree. But... Um, so yeah, you deployed fairly sensibly. You haven't got a lot of choice. That box isn't that big, to be honest with you, have you? I mean, you you just sort of deployed, and and I guess you were protecting the hobbits as much as you could on the way up. Yeah, they're the squishiest bit, to be honest. And um, they're the most likely to be chipped off from those stray bow shots um, in order and making it much more difficult to get the, the necessary five, especially given your. If you complete the scenario, you're guaranteed to lose Gandalf. So that's one gone already. Yes. Yeah. So you've only got three more potential you can lose, and after that, you lose automatically. Yeah, that's something I didn't think about at the beginning as well. I was thinking you need to kill five, but you, you essentially you, you need to concentrate on killing four. It is worth trying to kill Gandalf because obviously uh, you. Um... I'd lose the scenario automatically yes. because I can't destroy the bridge. Yeah, but... that, that well, yeah, that's the th- and that's not really covered, is it? Not, not yeah, if you kill Gandalf early on, that's it, the, the, the mission's over. But also, what if you've lost four people? Frodo has Frodo's at the point of escaping, because um, you can escape them off. So if Frodo and four others had escaped, but then you're Gandalf and you destroy the bridge, but you die, and Gandalf effectively becomes the fifth dead then. I yeah, would, uh, I, I'm guessing. I would say the Fellowship of, of, of one at that point, because the, the bridge has been destroyed and... and Gandalf has escaped, but you, if you were not that you should ever should be gamey in a narrative scenario, you could the evil player could say, "Hang on a minute, five of your guys are dead." Well, I suppose it could be argued though that they're no longer effective enough to um, perform their their task as charged by Elrond. So that's the, the closest you get to a draw in this game, anyway. Not that it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't essentially it doesn't matter. But um, but anyway, so I deployed as as told twelve goblins either side, and I, I literally split it fifty fifty. So for um, Four, four, four in terms of bow, spears, and uh, um, hand weapons, and one captain either side. I spread them out so that you would potentially face opponents on your whole travels, rather than just rush everyone to block the um, the stairway. You, I could have been as gamey as possible and, and pushed everyone right up to kind of level with the chasm and just formed a huge wall across that. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to make it feel like the the film a little bit that you're kind of got bow fire attacking you all the way along and and, and goblins rushing out to to, to get you because again this is the bit that would be you know almost the Dwarf bit because you're walking across a flat area here you're not walking across these thin walkways and passageways that just doesn't exist in this version of the scenario it's no. weird isn't it because you got that in the previous scenario you've that is it, it, it is covered in quests so i'm not sort of saying it's not but this scenario doesn't do that part um very well because we know what that seems like 
um, they're nearly falling off these thin areas and then then they get to the bridge this is, there isn't much of a kind of a massive open area that's uh, so that's why I quite like the Battle Games of Middle-earth one but as I said you've got to get your measurements right but anyway we split up deployments like that and um, nothing huge happened you kept killing goblins as you'd expect to do when you've got Boromir and uh, Aragorn and uh, I kept sort of I took a few wounds I managed to sort of strip a couple of models of their fate didn't I with Bowfire um, yeah early on you, you you pinged Gandalf but he, he his fate saved him and uh, you took a bits of bits and pieces here and there yeah I um, think I took a couple of, I stripped a couple of the hobbits of their fate didn't I or took one off someone or something I can't uh, I can't remember each individual thing now. We're not going to give you a blow by blow rundown, but anyway, got to the bottom, bottom of the, the, the where the um, the bridge is, and this is where the terrain's a bit different. So I'm using some converted old bridge and um, a toy effectively um, that wasn't designed to play the scenario on, but it was designed to be on a sort of a Moria theme board where you could say, "Look, there's the bridge," but you wouldn't necessarily go up the bridge if that makes sense. So it wasn't. You always had to go around the corner to get up the stairs, didn't you? Um, yeah which, yeah, it's probably gives you a few more inches to have to get round, but then also hinders people following you as well because um, it means that very half of the barrel to, to chase you up it, et cetera, as well. So kind of affects both both players, I suppose. Um, and you were kind of, I, it felt like you were pretty comfortable until the barrel rog caught up. Yeah, I mean, you got him at the end of turn two. Uh, yeah, so which... he comes on quite early, but even by that time, He's only moving six inches. And yeah, being able to march was huge. Yes, so you marching, march marching, marching with Aragorn up the board it was 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 the kind of the the story, wasn't it? Really, um, you weren't rushing forward to attack me. Um, you were kind of huddled up, it was almost like gridiron style, trying to protect the the hobbits, um, and you fought when you needed to. Whereas you were quite aggressive in. Um, balanced tomb and did killed a lot more by doing that because you needed to but um i just felt a little bit different felt a little bit a little bit more realistic in terms of the protecting the hobbits and survival and i think oh, i'll definitely say so yeah i talked we talked about alternative ways to do the balanced tomb is that i quite would have quite liked if you had to escape by a certain turn or had to get so many out of them and i think that would have maybe given some of that kind of feel to it as well but it might have been hard to to, to turn into a scenario but um and yeah but it was it was quite good the barrel didn't do loads because he can just out of range to do anything he's moved i think for until maybe turn six i don't think he could really in range to do much um five was turn. when he he caught legolas okay. uh with the whip oh, with the whip yeah um that whip was probably the scariest thing of him because he would drag if he hit and didn't kill, he would drag yes. the model into base contact, which meant that you just pull them back, you know, yeah. up to eight inches. You didn't kill him outright that that turn, though. You fate, you used your fate, didn't you? Because he caused three wounds. He won the. He gave him a proper slap, but he survived on one. But you wound. survived on yeah. one wound, and that gave you another another turn, really, because the Barog's base and the way the table was laid out, he couldn't get by you. He needed to then kind of attack again. Uh, I think you well, you would have charged in again because let's let's say it now. How many turns did we play? Uh, we played uh, 14 turns. 14 turns. And how many priorities did I win, Dan? Two, I think. Two. <laughs> two. Um, we played... Te- we worked, we, I won two in, in uh, Balanced Tomb, didn't I? Out of 10 turns, was it? 
Yeah. So, so I'm up to four in like 24, and then it was really awful. The game. So again, priorities. Um, if I had a couple more went evil way, um, would have would have really made it quite difficult for you, I think. So it was definitely. I do like the balance in this. It does feel, especially when that Balrog arrives, it does feel quite hard. And then once you kill Legolas, you fed him Gimli, which I think is absolutely the right yeah. thing to do. Well, to, be, to be fair, let's, let's be fair to Legolas. He um, he did recharge you after you'd been set ablaze. He did. Uh, and then he won the fight, couldn't wound you, and then succumbed to him being set ablaze. <laughs> he did. He in did the end phase. Well. Um, but he, he, yeah, again, he, he, ate up, he ate up a couple of turns, which is what you want to do with the Balrog, I suppose, is you want to... Because if I was able to get to the bottom of the stairs and follow up, I think you'd have been in all kinds of trouble. Um, it would have been yeah. easy for me to uh, to um, get that lash in there and, and, and well, aim for Gandalf or for, for Frodo and you, you take away the ability for you to win the scenario really, really quickly. But I just couldn't get yeah. to them. Never got never got in range because you because you were able to, to use Legolas and then Gimli just to slow him down enough. Um, and you missed Frodo. I did. Yes, that's a good point, actually. I only needed it's a three up as well, and I got a two, didn't I? So I did have the opportunity to take to lash Frodo off the. And he'd already lost, he'd, he lost a wound by then, or lost his, used his fate? I think he'd used his fate. He had lost a wound to um, one of the captains at that point. Yeah. yeah. So it was that was that was a squeaky bum time moment for you because yeah, kind of. So this was really good. We this felt like that kind of jeopardy that 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 was there in the in the film um so as much as the table didn't and that's partly my terrain but also the the, the layout that's in the it doesn't really give you the full sort of feel of that moment with the with the walkways um it it's it's i suppose you need the table to be that large otherwise the barrel just going to dominate um but um yeah it felt felt pretty good and then I, let, well let's say how it ended so you i'd managed to kill four in the end didn't i including Including, yeah, because you've got um, obviously we fed uh, Legolas and Gimli to the Balrog. Uh, Legolas died end of turn six. Gimli died in turn ten because he survived two turns with it as well. Um, Gandalf blew up the bridge on turn eleven and obviously killed himself. uh, And you managed to shoot Pippin on that same turn with bows from when he was on the other side. And then the rest of them escaped. Yeah, I couldn't get once you'd got across. Barrel couldn't get across and didn't have the range with his with his whip to, to reach you. You you could get to the point on the board table where you're completely safe. And the um so I had three goblins with bows left. I think at that point they weren't the only three goblins left on the table as well, because you you slowly whittled down the whole the whole twenty four well twenty six to include the two captains. So you did, yeah, a, lot, did a lot of killing. Got quite cross and killed four in one go oh, you as did, well, didn't you? Blast, which was quite cool. <laughs> So that it, it 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 worked well. I don't know if we played that ten times. I don't know whether it would be that tight every time or not. But I, we we had a lot of fun, and it there was a there was a point where either person could win. Um, and it it, it felt a lot closer than Barlin's team. Yeah, and it felt like I was playing a game. Do do you know what? I don't want the I didn't want the evil to win because you want you want it to be tight and the and the heroes to get out, and then you can kind of you know well they, they didn't actually only Gandalf died the rest were just injured you know you kind of go with that head cannon or do the kind of it's a campaign scenario as well so those those heroes won't completely die because that's a rest period as well isn't it in the campaign so yeah. it, it kind of works oh, no, you still have to roll for death you just get all uh, of your yeah. um, might and everything back. back hopefully they don't completely they die well they wouldn't die because you get plus one because I won the scenario yeah. so just come back in full health anyway 
Exactly. So what I mean is you can, that's the thing, you can kind of, you can say, well, it was almost recreated the film by the way it worked, and that's what you want. Um, but as a evil player, it did feel like that you were in the game, whereas when I, well, it might have just been the way you went when we played Balance Tomb, but it very much felt like I said I was your DM providing you with the Balance Tomb experience while just pushing goblins forward for you to kill. Um, but some of that was to do with the way priorities went and things, but uh, that didn't affect it quite so much with this and you could like i said you could game it you could really deploy the goblins quite close to the chasm so that you can almost block and give yourself even more time there and make it more time for the, the barrel to turn up and it could get even harder and even tighter then um so I, as a game i think this one's more of a more of a balanced one yeah potentially although to be fair if you bottleneck yourself at the um at the bridge and i just threw the hard heroes into the front of it you a lot of traps because you wouldn't be able to go anywhere. Yeah, a couple of heroic combats, so I've cut through them quite quickly, I think. Uh, yes, but it's not. It's, it's, it's about the time, isn't it? Because what 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 I feel stop what I feel enabled you to get away was that the Balrog was held up by two heroes that you did what you wanted them to yes, do, which is take, take some time to die. Whereas if they're all still there and he's in range. Especially if you can get into combat, remember, because he gets his three heroic combat, so he can mm. kind of roll on from one to the next. You could quite easily kill two in one go, in one turn, couldn't he? Um, and I didn't use them at the time because it wasn't that we didn't need to. But he's got brutal power attacks as well, so you know, there, there will be a tool for that for the situations. It's uh, um, the fact that he he was never in a position where he could have heroic combat onto anyone else because he was too far behind. So he was relying on standard combats and then using the lash to even get the combats in the first place. Because um, if he killed you outright with a lash with, with Legolas, um, he wouldn't have had you know he wouldn't have had any combat. So he maybe could have moved up quicker there. But it's, I think, um, I think blocking you from the stairs with more people early would have made it even harder. But I think it, the way we played it actually worked out as a quite nice um, balanced scenario in the in the end. Um, but I like it. it like I said my, my preference would be it's a narrative scenario so build as much narrative into it as possible and don't worry about it being um, I don't know I I wouldn't have the, the completely random roles for when stuff comes on I quite like the idea that it comes on a set, set turn time so you know exactly when it's coming and what you're doing and then it's your in-game choices there that um, and the way you move your models that affect how far you are along the process before the big Beastie turns up because if he didn't turn on to turn six, what would have happened? I think I only oh, just yeah, got to, I, I, maybe even turn four because I only just, as I said, I only just got to to kill two of your your heroes. And yes, Legolas did well for for an extra probably a turn longer than you expect him to, and Gimli took a couple of turns to die as well. So he's he's obviously a bit of a tank, but even even if that was a turn or two quicker. Um, if the barrel rod came on two turns later, you'd have had most of the people at the bottom of the stairs before. You just wouldn't have got, got to in time because he only moves six and his, his, his lashes only range eight. So those wings don't do anything. Um, no, they do not. <laughs> so, I, yeah, that's, that's the reason I don't like those, as I said, those, uh, those kind of could come on any turn up to turn six because it's just be so swingy and really affect the way the game goes. If he come on turn one, it'd have been horrible for you as well. Because <laughs> um, yeah, there's no way I'd have got away. You'd have, no, you'd have you'd have, he'd have been whipping you before you've even got the car past the middle of the table, sort of thing as well. So, uh, yeah, I 
I that's the only thing I would I would change with with this scenario is to maybe look at the the battle games of Middle Earth and, and sort of measure it out and say well where will they be if they march how far will they be away from the bottom of the stairs and things and and, and do it that way but no, it was cool loads of fun doing it because we had a tighter game and wasn't too bad with well from my point of view anyway with shaky cam because because it's a four by four table it's a little bit harder for you i suppose to sort of get an idea what's going on but it works well oh, when you've really got an idea oh yeah no complaints from my end we started a really enjoyable game i could see enough of what was going on generally i knew which hobbit was which which was important <laughs> yeah yeah the internet was good enough this time around i think well i've got a new provider since we did the last one so uh hopefully it should be good enough like 500 megabits so it should it should be fast enough to give you not too pixelated uh, uh <laughs> pictures yes absolutely right well um yeah if anyone yeah get in touch with us people have played the game let us know how you've got on with yourself any thoughts and comments any adjustment you've made to make it work better or anyone played any of the earlier versions and thought they were good or better do let us know and it was always good to hear from you um as uh as dan said we we don't have a heroic death match this episode so we're going to go for a short break now we'll come back and close the show out and uh, here we are again end of another show so we're just here to say goodbye really but um i just thought we'd do the normal um goodbyes and shout outs etc etc dan have you got anything you want to say or shout out before we let everyone go no just the usual thanks to everyone who's putting out great content uh battle streams in middle earth um they're doing thursday this week we're, we're speaking on the tuesday the 27th they're doing a thursday this week so possibly it'll be uh before you guys are going to hear this but uh they're doing their thing so join them every two weeks uh we we generally watch along i, I definitely do and you do wear aloud uh they're very very good and just everyone else who's putting out cool content at the moment and contributing to the community uh obviously legion of peaceful war gamers uh check them out on facebook that's my local club we are hoping at some point to come back uh when that will be we're still not quite sure but uh watch that space if you fancy coming over to peterborough way and uh, giving me a game of uh, middle earth at any point and yeah generally just uh thanks to everyone who's putting stuff out and thanks to everyone who's listening to us and being generally so awesome and kind to us about everything that we're doing yep absolutely absolutely um i echo that completely um so i'll also say i'm gonna I'm actually doing it as we speak i'm just pasting in um posting in ken's uh youtube channel into the show notes that i'm going to publish uh for miniature wargaming warriors um so go and check his channel out if you're uh you'll have some middle earth content on there i'm sure um he's very much approaching it from a from a his point of view but he does as i said he's got lots of historical stuff on there so i know quite a few of our listeners do like that stuff as well um because i've been talking to them about it or they've been commenting on my videos and things so um if you haven't come across him go go and check his stuff out um but other than that the usual stuff for us please do go and give our facebook page a like and uh join our facebook group and get in you know involved in the chat there follow us on instagram and twitter um and then if you do want to go more old school you can email us at ootfppodcast at gmail.com and do check out the youtube channel as well um if you haven't checked out the latest unboxings um as i said i've done both ents that have come out recently dan's done the the new dwarves and uh, 
I will be putting up some more Smaug videos um, over the course of May. Um, I imagine there'll be maybe three more to completion, something like that. One once it's near the end of building, one with um, half painted and plans and stuff, and one with the final pictures. That's the plan anyway. So, um, yeah, head along to those. Other than that, um, we will be back, hopefully, much shorter than normal. Think back to the heady days when we used to put two shows out a month. But where the plan is for us to be back in about two weeks' time with a, a, a bit of a chat about the, the new dwarves and about the, the war in the north part of um, the law. Uh, I think we're going to do a bit of a law discussion go and do some research and things and, and talk about that rather than you know speculate too much on what may or may not be in a future publication that's not been announced so we don't know what's going on i'm sure there'll be a little bit of what we'd like to see or getting and hoping but um we're gonna rather than sort of a whole show worth of kind of wish listing we thought we'd uh, focus on the topic at hand but also cover it in a law kind of way which is a bit more us a bit more fluffy anyway thanks for listening and we'll catch you all again soon Run!